Thank you all. Praise the Lord. Give them a hand. We all know that it is April Fool's Day, and uh, it's hard not to at least acknowledge that. And you probably read stuff on the internet, saw things, and I did. There's probably going to be a million preachers that are going to say something about it being April Fool's Day, maybe in like this. Jesus was the first one to initiate April Fool's Day because when the tomb opened up, and he walked out and let Satan and all of his cohorts know, April Fool's, I'm alive. So you may have read something like that. Harry Vance sent me something too. It was pretty interesting. I think I can paraphrase it right. Did y'all see the picture where it's got Moses holding the, the tablet, the Ten Commandments, and said that he was the first one to be so social media and technically savvy? Some of y'all nod yes because he received them on a tablet from the clouds. Just like we do. I thought that was good. We send out devotions. The staff write them. Mark, our lay leader, and Ken Casey, Sheila and I, and we send out a devotion each week. Some of you receive it electronically. It's called 3D, Daily Dose of Discipleship. That's the 3D. Sheila is on Tuesday asked a question at the end of it, and it just stuck in my brain, so I'm going to leave it with you, and we'll talk about it question she left with, and I think she wrote the devotion was from the Psalms, but how will Easter change you? How will Easter change you? And since we're on Easter, let me ask it a different way. Has Easter changed you? All of celebrated this week and all that Easter is, how will Easter change you? How has Easter changed you? share with you a situation and I'm going to talk in a minute about the cross and this will I survey the wondrous cross the choir did an awesome job but usually on Easter Sunday even though we talk about any pretend we talk about that cross because you can't have one without the other and so I want to read just something I read in a devotion a while back and uh, it's just a situation in our lives that shows our brokenness and our woundedness and how we need a savior so here's the situation have you ever been in a situation where someone attacked you or criticized you and perhaps you were misunderstood? Perhaps you were misunderstood or, or perhaps you really did do something wrong, but either way, someone pounced on you. They pounced on you because of your error. How quickly an alibi rises in our lips or maybe even a real good excuse someone attacks us or criticizes it, be it rightfully or wrong, we still have an alibi or maybe we make some kind of real good excuse. And what a magnificent thing when we don't have to defend ourselves. Let me ask you, who is freer? Who is freer? The person who has an uncontrollable impulse to defend to defend herself or himself and does so? Or is it the person also who has an impulse to defend himself or herself but is free enough to stay quiet? Declining to speak on behalf requires much greater freedom 
and power. They're merely acting on the impulse to defend myself. How much richer some of our marriages would be if we had that kind of freedom. How, how much richer our parent and child relationship would be if we were that free. And maybe our professional relationships, all of them would be better. So I ask you another question. Are you as free as God wants you to be? Has Easter changed you? Are you as free as God wants you to be? You see, we need both. We need the cross. We, we can't ignore it, but boy, we need an empty tomb. We need some power to help us empty it. How will Easter change you? The title of the sermon this morning is The Servant is Alive. And I'm referring to Jesus because I've been studying in Isaiah, and I'm going to read Isaiah in a moment. There are, there are several servant songs, servant songs in Isaiah, and they're about Jesus. They're prophesying 700 years in advance of what he's going to do. And so the servant, Jesus, is, is alive. So here's Isaiah 52. And you'll really be familiar with Isaiah 53. Most of you know a line or two in it. But here's where the song begins, actually, this fourth servant song in Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. So we know he's going to have victory. But just as there were many who appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they're going to see it. And what they have not heard, they're going to understand. And then it flows into Isaiah 53. You can read the other verses, but I've chosen 4 through 7. You may have memorized them in the old King James. This is out of the NIV. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. You may have read it. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities, remember that word. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he gives us a sheep illustration, sheep nature. They all go astray. But then he gives contrast here of Jesus being the lamb. So verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I like to go back to my junior high days, and every chance I get, I tease my sister, Pam. She, a couple of weeks ago, and she and brother-in-law Stan are sick and so they're not going to be able to make it up today but Pam mentioned to me she said I have a lamb roast 
I have a lamb roast. And I was thinking about bringing that to mom and dad's on Easter Sunday. And then it kind of dawned on her whether or not she should do that. You know, is there something wrong with having lamb on Easter? And I really don't know, but I made this up. If you're Catholic, I just it just came out like a junior hire. So when she was all worried of whether or not she could bring that lamb today to mom and dad's, I said, Pam, if you want to offend all the Catholics, go ahead and bring it. But, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's against their religion to even eat lamb on Sunday. Now, I don't know if it is. I have no idea. I just made that up just to aggravate her. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. The other night, when the guys came up as the disciples, the men of our church, just dressed in clothes, and they matched the colors of the famous painting, of the Last Supper, and they lined up up here. If you're here, you know what I'm talking about. And Mark Casey was Jesus. We've teased him quite a bit over the last few days about being Jesus. But they gave us a visual of the Last Supper. You see, Jesus did that on the night before he would go to the cross because the last thing that he instituted was communion. You see, they were eating the, the Passover meal it was all about the Passover lamb Jesus had eaten it with his family his whole life and now he knows who the Passover lamb is and so after they they do that he institutes communion that's why we take communion to this day but every time that we take communion we're not told to remember an empty tomb now I think we should but we're not told to remember an empty tomb but we're always reminded of a bloody cross back in John the 6th chapter remember early on in Jesus' ministry he told those who were following unless you eat my flesh and unless you drink my blood you have no part with me the Bible tells us in John that many of them said man this guy's crazy and they walked away and the disciples the 12 watched them those other disciples walking away and Jesus looked at them and said you want to walk away too Simon Peter, even though sometimes he would stick his foot in his mouth, sometimes he'd say some of the greatest statements, and this is one of them when Jesus said, you want to walk away? He said, who else are we going to go to? To whom shall I go? To whom shall we turn? For we have come to know and to believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a great answer. So yeah, we, we eat his flesh and drink his blood. We literally believe that he is our atonement. He was the sacrificial lamb. Luke records the last words from the risen servant. It's the last chapter before he's ascended. In a moment, when we close, we're going to turn around and look at that stained glass window of Jesus ascending up. Beautiful, beautiful stained glass window that I, I get to look at every time I preach. But before he ascended, he said this in Luke 24. Most time we don't read Luke 24 it's usually Matthew or John or Mark but this is what what Jesus said right before he was ascended that Luke wrote down it has to do with Isaiah that we just read about it has to do with all the prophets and Moses and what he wrote in all the Psalms but listen to what Jesus said in Luke 24 I'm in verse 44 he said to them this is what was told you while I was with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
That's why we need to know what the Old Testament says. We need to read the Old Testament because Jesus said everything in it is about me. It's written about me and it's going to be fulfilled. It coming from the law of Moses and all of the prophets including Isaiah and all of the Psalms. And then, I like verse 45, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. I want to suggest to you if you've never asked Jesus to open your mind to the scriptures, I think that'd be a real good prayer to pray. God, open my mind to your word. Open my mind to your truth because you said that the truth shall set me free. And when you read the word of God, you read Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us that we might know the Father. So I pray that you will pray. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. In verse 46, he told them, this is what was written. You knew this, the Messiah will suffer, but he will rise from the dead on the third day. And then repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's why we preachers preach repentance because that's what's supposed to be preached. You've never repented of your sins. You need to. We enter into God's kingdom through grace. We come to the cross and we admit and we repent. We ask Christ in our life. I was praying this morning. I got down on my knees in my office and I closed the door. And You know, this is, this is Easter Sunday. I mean, we preachers, you want to preach on Easter Sunday. Praying, God, please open my mind to the scriptures and please open the mind of my brothers and sisters that want to know you as the word. This is my translation of what Jesus said in Luke 24 that I just read to you. I fulfilled what I came to do and what the scriptures revealed that I would do. The Lamb of God was sacrificed so that you and I could repent, so that you and I could be forgiven. Going back to Isaiah 52 and 53, the servant song. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And then Isaiah contrasts the metaphor of the nature of sheep. Prophesying about him dying for our sins and all of our iniquities. And then we get this sheep illustration. We get a lot of them in the Bible. So... So what does sheep nature look like in us? But then what does sheep nature look like when the servant takes it upon himself? We're told we go astray and he goes to the cross. The Hebrew word, I ask you to remember the word iniquity. In English we translate a lot of words that talk about sin. We Sin is the most common. But in the Bible there is the word transgress. And we even pray, Lord, we did a while ago, forgive us of our trespasses. We've trespassed against you and help us to forgive those who've trespassed against us. And then there's this word iniquity. He was bruised and he was taken upon our iniquities. In the Hebrew, it's hard to translate it to English. There's a lot of different words for the word iniquity, but I found this one and I like it. And it's going to tie into an illustration that I'm about to show you. So part of the Hebrew word for iniquity can mean twisting. Just, just twisting. Got a picture you're going to see on the screen. And I took it from this. Is y'all's TV working? 
nope, all right, I'm going to hold it up where you can, you can see it. Is that one working up there? Y'all can see it? All right. I took a picture of this. This is a card that was given to me by a bunch of our children in our church. I'll read some of their names in a minute. They gave this to me back in October, and it was on my office door. So the staff, we looked at it for over a month. But I took it down, and I, I kept it close by my chair, and, and I've looked at it for several months now. And right after the first years, I was planning and thinking ahead. I thought, man, that'd be great for Easter. So on a Wednesday night back in October, October Appreciation Month, and so Sheila had gotten this construction board, and she folded it in half and said, Mate, y'all make a card tonight at Wednesday night, Bible study. So these are four-year-olds. You can see the writing. It's really clear. I think it's Miko and James Kelly and uh, Anna Kate and Kennedy and uh, maybe that's Jade over there and uh, maybe that's Merritt. But anyway, there may have been some others. But Sheila and Kelly Carr and the cherubs, as they were called on Wednesday night, and, and Denise Floyd, she drew that cross because they were talking about the cross. Did you see that when I first showed it to you, that cross? I think this is a set of golf clubs up here. I'm not sure, up in the right corner. Some said it's flags in a bowl, and some said there's a mosquito on here. There's a green mosquito right here. And then it's just real messy. I think Jay Hedgepath said down in the far right corner, that's Mary praying before a cupcake. I don't know if that's, I don't know if we can see that or not. And some of the kids drew from the other side, and so part of it's upside down. That guy's, hang, you know, it's just all messy. And then some of them just, just colored it all up. But you can see the outline of the cross. I say that because I've looked at this for months. And it's just like our lives sometimes. Just cluttered up. Iniquity. Sin. I mean, he calls it that in our lives. And he came and he was wounded for my transgressions, for yours, for all of this. That's why he came. And so even though we celebrate Easter and thank God that the, the tomb is empty, he's alive. But he had to die. The reason he had to die because of our woundedness, our brokenness, our messiness, our clutter, our iniquity. But he came and he comes right in the middle of that. So we can't ever, we can't ever get rid of the cross. It's Easter. Praise God. But we've got to have that cross. As Paul said, I, I preach Christ and him crucified. John Oswald, he's a professor at Asbury where I went, and I've been using his book as we've been studying uh, Isaiah. And he, he and his dad raised sheep when he was growing up, and so he tells this, this line is from John Oswald, one who watched sheep being raised. Sheep moved from one delicious clump of grass to another without paying much attention to their surroundings until all of a sudden, they find themselves in some strange place they've never been before. Kind of like us. Uh, we want what we want when we want it. And one day we find ourselves enslaved to our own desires. And so the contrast of the nature of the sheep 
my Isaiah is, we go astray. He goes to the cross. Are you as free as God wants you to be? How will Easter change you? Has Easter changed you? If it hadn't, I, I want to give you an invitation right now to today. If, Brother Harvey, I, I don't know for sure if I have Christ in my heart. I don't know of any other day better than today. Because the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. That you could simply ask Christ to come into your heart and your life. So that Easter could change you. Are you as free as God wants you to be? I said this in so many ways, but I want to read to you what I wrote down. Because again, I, I'm an Easter person. We are. We just sang that. We are Easter people. But you cannot have a body. You cannot have a body rise from the dead unless you have a dead body to begin with. As exciting as Easter is, and it should be, it would never have happened if Jesus had not been willing to be a lamb led to the slaughter. So while we celebrate and thank God for redemption, I find myself in my crazy life, I end up at the cross. I end up at the cross. How has Easter changed you? Are you as free as God wants you to be? Let's pray. God, we love you today. We praise you. We are Easter people, but we're cross people too, God. But we had to get we had to go that cross where we could understand that tomb. God, thank you for the cross. And thank you that in our crazy lives, it's the cross that's right there in the middle of it all. But a living God holding our hand to help us through it. We praise you today, God. I ask you to bless us as we reach out to you and your word today, for you are the word. Bless us now as we respond to what you have said. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is crown hymn with many crowns. And we're going to stand together and sing that. It is on page 327, crown him with many crowns. And then we will lead right into 